Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Lads, it came home, technically. <laughs> it did, yeah. The under-21s brought it home to uh, add to the list of other... Um, what should we say? I don't know. Uh, what will we say? Under, under, non, non-senior tournament, should we say? Along with the women's that won the Orals last summer. So it's on the men's seniors next summer for me. They've won them all since 2017, I see. Um, under 17s, under 19s, under 20s, under 21s. And then, yeah, I forgot the women's as well won the Euro. So pretty much every England team other than Southgate has won since 2017. Um, oh. And team has been very successful as well. So we definitely, as I said to Stan yesterday, when we, after we watched it, we need to capitalise because it's, t- it's what Germany and Spain have done on this. Spain seems to dominate the under 21s in our lifetime anyway. And then Germany... Was um I was reading that it was the last time England were in a final. They got beat four 0 in two thousand and nine, um, and five years later Germany won the World Cup. And from that team, they had like Kadera, Hummels, Neuer, Boateng, Ertzel, Harvardes. Um, so yeah, they all made a huge step up. And I think I think they all played in the World Cup in twenty ten. Actually, it was not all of them, but a lot of them went straight into the World Cup the next year. And then obviously won it in in twenty fourteen, didn't they? So. Well, 2010 was the Neuer was in net for the Lampard goal score, wasn't it? Yeah, Muller Muller had a really good breakthrough, didn't he? Was it him and Forlan were top scorers, joint top scorers? I think possibly, yeah, something like that. Anyway, he was about was he 19? I think that tournament, South something Africa. stupid. Anyway, yeah. no, but I mean, England England won one nil. I mean, Cut, you've spoken, uh, you've spoken before about how you've watched all the games. It was only televised yesterday. It was the only game on, on it ended up being on Channel 4. So do you want to talk us through the whole tournament and basically how, how they ended up not conceding any goals and, and winning the whole thing? Yeah, it's incredible. It, it genuinely is. And they, they've made history of the Young Lions and it's just credit to them and credit to the coaching staff that have really put them in that position. They've utilised a massive squad full of talent that they've had and Carsley, credit where it's due, he's He's almost been Guardiola-like, Jim, in terms of the way he has utilised his squad and he's completely just played, well, to put it into basketball terms, he's played the hot hand, he's playing the people that are in form and yeah, credit to him. He's not picked people on laurels and the defence as a unit, including James Trafford, who we're definitely going to give some flowers to in a little while. I think, yeah, credit to him. They've not conceded a goal throughout the whole thing. Hardware Bellis has been really good, Levi Colwell. Uh, I think that Max Ahrens, again, has been good in there. Jimmy Garner filling in at right-back has been a 7 out of 10 in most games. So, yeah, credit to the whole back line. And, yeah, history made for the young Lions, Jim. Yes, stylistically, it's just... I mean, I've only recently watched the um, the final yesterday on Channel 4, like Stan said, but it's, it's watching England play Spain almost at their own game. Um, in pit, it was Spain who were hacking us down, um, especially after the first went in. They were trying to break up play a lot. I mean, there's a a ton of yellow cards and free kicks in this game. He never really got going. But the way England played, like Curtis Jones and Angel Gomez, I mean, when you've got them two midfield alone, like when you just look at the profile of the player, it's pretty lightweight. Angel Gomez is tiny, but never afraid to get into, in, in, stuck into a tackle or ask for the ball. Caldwell and Howard Bellis are making like line breaking passes. He, uh, up front, they had Anthony Gordon and uh, Gibbs White. None of them are traditional strikers. Just watching them play, even Trafford was a few times it was a bit rivers kicking, but 
it's the style of play. Get Garni, you just said the her right back, but then when he plays for Everton, he's the one commanding the ball and making them take. It's just, yeah, it's a completely different England team, and they, they played Spain at their own game and, and they've won. And it, I think it's a huge milestone really for them. And you could tell at the end when the celebrations, they were supposed to one there. They, they took it very seriously, and they seem to get on very well. They seem to have the same kind of camaraderie the senior team has, which has helped massively. I think. Yeah, Stan and Jim mentioned it then the, the camaraderie and they were saying that this team the four weeks or so that they've been together I was reading a piece on the Athletic before I can't actually remember who wrote it but they were basically saying that they were constantly playing just interactive quizzes with each other they had to like share the hotel with like the holiday makers that were there so they had private sections and the members of staff were emailing and texting home getting pictures of them when they were babies to play like guess who this is when they were younger so the the family feel is there and I think that that's credit to the FA and the setup at St George's Park and I think that that is one of the institutions that's kind of made everyone come together and not have that tribalism of yesteryear I can remember 2006 uh, for the World Cup none of the players would even sit next to each other if they didn't play for the same team which is so pathetic and so immature but yeah credit to the young Lions and I just think that a lot of them will be moving on after this tournament. A lot of them have definitely earned moves, whether that be a loan or whether that be a permanent transfer. We've already seen a few stars of the tournament be picked up. Someone that we mentioned last week, Lafay, Jim, a footy manager, God for you. But yeah, he's he's moved on. But yeah, definitely a good showcase to to showcase the talent from that tournament. Credit to England and yeah, credit to the FA again for for the setup because it does. Yeah. Like, we have got that family feel at the minute. I think, yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, you mentioned there about we hear the golden generation of England talking about, I mean, we know about the talent of that. You can reel the names off. We all know them, but they didn't sit next to each other. They sat in the, in the clubs on the tables. Yeah. You had Liverpool one, one table, United one table, whoever one table. And it wasn't good. And I mean, I read something where after the 2014 World Cup, where we went out in, in the group stage, uh, when we were in that Costa Rica, was it Uruguay, Italy group? We went out in the group stage. Um, Germany ended up winning the tournament again we spoke about 2009 the last final that our under 21s were in that German team was unreal they won it in 2014 uh, th there was a, a massive scrutinisation of, of basically how we were doing things from, right from the grassroots all the way up to the senior side in England and I think it's testament to that work that was put in um, that now you've got the German uh, the head of the German FA, like I mentioned last week, pretty much saying they need to look at how the English have done it now. So it's completely 180. Uh, and I think the thing that's missing is England, like the Germans winning that World Cup, England need to add a major tournament win to the to their senior side. And Southgate, not only has he been big for the for the senior men's team, he, he was involved in that development of uh, basically the whole structure of, of English academy and you know right through from the under whatever to the senior team. He was heavily involved in that. I think he was head of head of development in the in the 2014-15 around that time, and now he's reaping the rewards. I think it says a lot that I know we mentioned last week there might not be many that get into the senior team, and I think it's testament to the level of English football at the moment that a lot of those lads in that under 21s 11 are playing for you know clubs at decent levels you got Angel Gomez for Lille Curtis Jones in and out of Liverpool Gibbs White starting week and week out for Forest Gordon's just gone to Newcastle for 40 odd million and these are lads that you know aren't really near the senior team so I think the level of it the fact that the under 21s is so good uh, and the names in there is, is you know testament to the work that's been put in over the last decade so hopefully this time next year 
we will be talking about how uh, Harry Kane's just lifted his first major trophy and and it's in an England shirt. To yeah, be continued. Just, uh, <laughs> I just probably circle it back to the the hero of the day, James Trafford, who you kind of touched on the players that are going to go um, from this tournament. We we literally said last week doing that Burnley in talks of him, and yeah, we'll talk about that later. But I just want to give flowers to him, Lee Carsley. Um, he was a man. He was a person I didn't even know was a manager before this tournament. To be fair, um, and I think he's done a really good job. And I think when you look at the Eddie Buford's um, struggled massively with the under twenty ones. Um, I think he had a bit of falling out, didn't he? When he got started, he said it was like impossible to manage, and he didn't like the dynamic of his team wasn't out there to win things. His team was just there to give Southgate players when they stepped up, and he struggled with that. And Carsey's come straight in and obviously done a fantastic job and. The style of football, like we said before, has been amazing to watch England play that way. And I wonder where Lee Cars um, is going to go next. Maybe he can step up into the England setup as a coach. Um, maybe not as a manager, but maybe he'll be a, a, a name that we're throwing around when Southgate does go. If he do, if he continues to be successful in the under twenty one system, because that's where Southgate came from. And Southgate wasn't a huge name England fans wanted, but it was the, like we've said loads of times, the best England manager in our lifetime. So. Who knows? Lee Carsley could be the next one, the next guy. It's not unheard of to think of that might happen. Um, but yeah, just going back to James Trafford, Stan, not conceding our tournament. Um, all the talk about his ninety million pound move from City to Burnley getting a bit scrutinised. To the oh, this is a bit dodgy. Vincent Company giving him ninety million pounds for a twenty-year-old who's never made played once in the Premier League. Is transfer value just going up another five, ten million? <laughs> After that double uh, double save, made a penalty save, and then saved the um, the rebound, that's a huge moment for him, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge, uh, huge moment for him. I mean, like I say, the fact that we haven't conceded, I think I might be wrong, but I think I read before the final that if England do win it without conceding, they're the first under twenty one team that's ever done that, uh, won the whole thing without conceding a goal, and the fact that the ultimate test was there in the ninety eighth minute of the game and not only does he save the penalty but he saves a follow-up as well I think it's brilliant and again he's another player like the, the names that I said before that are starting you know in top flights around Europe and, and obviously in England as well that he either you know come August September he could be starting week in week out for Burnley and he's in the under 21 set, uh, set up so again the, the 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 work that the FA has put in and, and I think the level of player that's coming through now for England I mean me and you were talking yesterday Jim at Again, I keep saying testament, but it is. I mean, you look, they've just won the under-21 tournament for the first time since 1984, was it, as an England team? And we're looking at it going, but who's going to get into the senior team? And that's the level of, of the England team at the moment that, you know, it, it, it's it's just brilliant. And I think James Trafford's another name there that could come through. Maybe Levi Colwell, uh, Colwell uh and uh, and James Trafford will be looking at Harry Maguire and Jordan Pickford's positions in that senior team for next summer if they are starting week in week out for the respective clubs next season wherever wherever they end up. But yeah, brilliant for him there to uh, cap off all the clean sheets with a huge moment for him that was celebrated like a goal and quite rightly because it was ultimately the winning moment of, of the whole tournament. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant for all of them. It's only going to do wonders for the mentality when they do have to step up. Yeah, and just segueing onto one keeper, very much on the rise in his infancy, um, just 20, James Trafford. Going to a keeper in his 30s, Lou, I'll go to you first before we get Stan's ramble. We've heard a lot of rambles from Stan about this this said keeper. I'm sure the listeners know what we're talking about. 
David De Gea has left United after 12 years of service. Um, signed in 2011, um, I think. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was a bit of a falling out. I'm not, I'm not falling out with a weird one because his contract talks seem to have been going on for the last few months and there was a report that he signed a new contract, I remember. Um, I don't know how long ago that was and it, seemingly it's never happened. But um, do you think... Firstly, Cook, do you think this is the right move from United to finally move on from him? And they look like they're going to replace Andre Onana with him. They're going to use Andre Onana as his replacement. So it's a huge shift in style. Do you think that's the right choice that Tanaga's made? I, th- I think ultimately it's the right time to move on because I think that it's probably three or four years overdue, even though he has won the Golden Glove. I think that that should be testament to the back line and him, not just him. I don't think it's... Start black and white, but I think that United haven't covered themselves in glory in terms of they've actually had him sign a contract, then take it away from him. Which for someone who's been at the club so long is, well, it's, it's a kick in the teeth. It is for someone who's I, I believe he's captain United on many an appearance, Dan. So, and again, just for just for that amount of time, is someone who's deemed a legend by some, someone who's deemed a hindrance at the end by potentially staying too long by others. I think that. Yeah, they've they've handled it very badly in that terms, but they've looked. It looks like they've got Onana, but I think United have been lucky that no one else has really been in for Onana or Saudi for that matter, because they've not really got any alternative. So I, th- I think that they've been lucky in that regard. But yeah, they've got to move on, and my dog thinks so as well, evidently. So <laughs> Oscar's not a big fan. Yeah, Sam, what do you think? Like those reports that Bruno Fernandez is actually. Uh, I don't know if he's publicly said it or it's just kind of reports in Portugal or whatever that he's been not too happy about how United have handled the Hayes situation how he's left the club yeah. um, because he is probably a surge. I know he's let himself down a few times in the past few seasons um, and United do need to move on obviously but what do you think of how he's left the club and then what do you think about the new guy coming in um, Onana um, well it's kind of bittersweet, really, because it's United have needed this for, for years now. De Gea has not been himself since probably the 2018 World Cup, where he got absolute pelters by the Spanish press uh, for Spain not doing very well. I mean, I remember the Ronaldo hat-trick against him, and he probably could have saved the first two. And then the free kick, he just stood still for and watched go in his top corner, uh, a la Gundogan in the FA Cup final. So not much development there in, in the last five years, but... You know, my timeline with De Gea is one that goes from from love to hate, which Cook said last week is, you know, there's not a lot of difference between those two. It's a very fine line. So, I mean, it started off with us obviously signing him from Atletico Madrid and and his first season was was not very good, to be honest with you. He's bullied quite a few times and had an argument with a a now journalist, I won't name his name, who basically said that he was a waste of money and United should have kept Ben Foster, which I said was a load of old rubbish. Um, And he developed, to be fair, from from the the season when uh, we won the league with with Van Persie, the last time we won it, all the way through to, like I say, probably the, the... end of the 17-18 season he was up there with Neuer most seasons if, if he wasn't the best keeper in the world Neuer was and, and you know vice versa so he, he was brilliant but the last five years it's just the it's got worse and worse uh, in terms of the mistakes the high profile mistakes and, and things like that and, and it's definitely definitely time he moves on but yeah I mean I've joked saying ah uh, you know whatever carry on fuck him he did you know just crack on and get a new keeper in but you know, he's a guy, he's one of the only people in United's squad that has won a Premier League title. Uh, we actually have none now with him and Phil Jones leaving this summer. 
Um, but last twelve years he's been at United. I mean, he's got the most clean sheets as a as a as a United keeper. He's got the most appearances as a foreign player at United. The uh, player of the year four times, won every single trophy at United that you can win, apart from the Champions League, which you know is successful no matter how you look at it. I think it's eight or nine trophies in twelve years. Um, and I suppose ultimately he has been let down with the offer of, of one contract and then it was taken away and we reduced his wages again and he wasn't sure whether he wanted to accept it or he did accept it and Ten Hag never signed it off whichever way you look at it I, I don't think it's that good but people forget we did similar to Jesse Lingard Jesse Lingard was at the club since he was about seven and Ralph Rangnick last game of the season we had nothing to play for Lingard was on the bench he didn't even sub him on and Lingard left and went to Forest on a free uh, Van Persie Ended up training with the reserves because Van Aal told him he didn't want him and he left with no tweet or anything. He just ended up at Fenerbahce one day. So it's not happened only to David De Gea. Uh, they don't always get a send-off. It doesn't happen like that all the time. I mean, look how Ronaldo, the second time he came back, it ended up horribly with his interview and then he plays at Villa, we lose, and the next time you see him is in Saudi. So it, do, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen perfectly, but United, yeah, they could have dealt with it a lot better, but at the same time, De Gea's got away with it for four or five years, so I I have a bit of sympathy for him, but the fact that he's been picking up 300 to 400 grand a week for the last five years when the stats have shown that he's not been in the best you know, 10, 15 starting keepers in the league and you're at Manchester United is is a joke when you compare that to pre the World Cup when he was basically the reason we were ever in any conversations for being in the Champions League, which is why he won back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, I think, player of the season awards as a goalkeeper. So the decline is quite staggering and some of the huge moments uh, in terms of negatively are massive. Uh, but again, some of the big moments are big and it might be one of them where we look back in a few years and think, you know what, he is up there with Schmeichel, Van der Sar and, and whatever. But right now, I think it shows it's pretty damning that you'll struggle to find a United fan that isn't really happy that he's left and we're going to go and sign Onana. So, um, you know, yeah, onwards so tr- and up. Onwards I was going to talk about his, um, sorry, I was just going to talk about his legacy no. a little bit there, Stan. Um, I do agree with how you've assessed it there. I think he's declined massively. He's kind of gone from the bottom to the top and he's kind of worked himself back down there as he's getting older. Post-Ferguson post era, so since he's, since Ferguson's retired from managing, is David Hayer the, the best Man United player in that 10-year period now? I mean, it's a good, it's a very good question. I mean, if you if you're asking for longevity, then he is because we've not had many players that uh, were there when Fergie was there. Like I said, him and Phil Jones are the last players, and they've just left. Um, so longevity is because we've not really, since Fergie left, had any players that you could argue were the best in the position for any longer than maybe one season. And De Gea, like I say, between maybe that league title win in 2013 up to 2018, that four or five years, it was probably him or Neuer who was the best keeper in the world. Um, So on that, he probably is the best player. But yeah, Bruno Fernandes is a player that we've signed and he hasn't really had a bad season at all since we've signed him. I think the last four or five seasons of De Gea I don't want to say Tate in his legacy because that's pretty harsh, but let's let's put it this way. I think if he left in 2018, De Gea um, ended up, I don't know, maybe finally at Real Madrid or something like that. Um, and all we knew was him coming, developing, and then leaving in 2018. If that's all we knew, we didn't know the last four or five years, he, he would be a legend. He'd probably have a statue somewhere or people would be calling for a statue as, like I say, the guy with the most 
appearances as a foreign player. But yeah, he, he probably is. But I'm not sure whether that's because he's been incredible for us or whether it's because it's slim pickings. So I'll be nice and say, like I say, he's the only player that we've had since Fergie that you could argue has ever probably been the best in his position for more than one season. So yeah, I, I'll say he is. And uh, yeah, I, I am really glad he's gone. I think the difference that it's going to make to United is huge. I think even if we signed somebody like Harry Kane and put him up front, I think the different that wouldn't have been as big as getting rid of De Gea and bringing in an actual modern goalkeeper like I've read and hear and I've seen on videos that Anana is. So um, hopefully it'll be carriers to Allison levels of transfer information um, yeah. but we'll see you, yeah you don't even necessarily have to get this one right it's just um the the right step to go into this like modern goalkeeper city did it they forced heart out really really quickly and he yeah. was i know he wasn't probably didn't do it for as long as they hated but he was a city legend at the time i think i, mm-hmm. I, I still look back at him as one of our greatest ever keepers since, since i've been watching him and obviously bravo his replacement was shocking but the, the style of football that city needs to do it was the right thing to do um and they've read the roles from it. And then Cook just finally under hey, a bit more legacy stuff. This is probably gonna go this is probably gonna be an argument we're gonna be having this this summer, I'm gonna guess, on Twitter. But um is would you say David De Gea, looking back, will be a top five Premier League goalkeeper of all time? Is he that high? Is he a top ten, top five? Um What would you say? I mean, just off top of your head now thinking, I know I'll put you on the on the spot a bit, but there's probably you're probably gonna struggle to name five better than him, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's a. I think there's a few now that are still playing that can potentially knock him off, given what they've already won. It's hard to argue someone like Edison, uh, Petacek off the top of my head, uh, prior to that, Peter Schmeichel. So I'd probably put him fifth, just off the top of my head, with no prior research. I'd probably put him number five all time, and I'd say potentially higher if he did left earlier. Potentially he could have been number four, maybe even number three if he did left, like Stan said, two or three years earlier. But yeah. Slightly over. Yeah, I think people's, uh, some United fans, some other fans' memories of De Gea will be, you know, the Gundogan's second goal in, in the final and some clangers this season, the Europa League final where he let 11 penalties in and then missed his to, for Villarreal to win it, uh, things like that. Whereas, you know, I think, like I say, that period between, let's say, 2013 to 2018, that five years, if he wasn't the best keeper in the world, Neuer was. Uh, for me, as a top five keepers ever in the Premier League, I can think of... Schmeichel, Van der Sar, Czech, I think are all better than him. And the, like Cook says, there might be a fourth that you could sneak in there, maybe an Allison or somebody in terms of you could argue he's been the best keeper in the world as well. But I think he's top five. I don't think there's five better than him. And that's coming from somebody who for the last few years has been absolutely dying for the guy to leave. So um, as unbiased as you can probably get. And, and, you know, I don't want to rewrite history and pretend the guy's been crap forever because he hasn't. Um, he's been great for United, as, you, as you've seen with the stats and the, the trophies he's won, everything again everything apart from the Champions League so if you've done that at a club you know you're doing pretty well so fair play but United need to move on we've needed to move on and we're finally moving on so Ten is the guy to uh, get rid of him like Jim said Guardiola got rid of Hart early he got Bravo in he didn't work he got Edison and look at the development Klopp came in he had Mignolet and Karius he brought Allison in and, and you know those are I think the keepers are so important now that Klopp won his first title with Allison, and Pep won his first league title with with Edison. And I think it's not a coincidence that those things happened when they got the keeper that you know was the level that they required and the style that they required.
Welcome back, listeners. Newcastle have started. They have started splashing out the cash. It started with Isaac in January, or Isaac, however that's actually pronounced. But they've rolled it on. Sandro Tonali, a guy that was very impressive en route to Milan's semi-final route in the Champions League. A guy that I've not really seen that much of, Jim. But when I have seen him again, like I said, I have been impressed. The guy looks like he gets stuck in. Not afraid to make a little tacky foul. They splashed 70 million euros on him. The narrative at first, Jim, that he wasn't very happy, was it? That was the narrative that the media were pushing right at the start. But I think he'll actually have a good time there. And I think that he'll go right into that midfield and he'll be, he'll be loved by them fans if he works his bollocks off like he's done at Milan. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it's, um, yeah, I know his, dad, his dad's a big Milan fan. He's a big Milan fan. He kind of got his dream move. Um, I believe he went from, was he Brescia to Milan? Um just like Andrea Perlo did. And I think that's where the comparisons kind of start and stop. I mean, he looks as well. He's a very handsome lad. He got a lovely look of her. Um, so he's compared to Perlo a bit. But I think in that in that sense, he's a bit misunderstood by people who don't watch him too much. Um, he's not like Perlo at all. Um, he's very hardworking. He plays much further up the pitch. He's more of a box-to-box kind of guy. Um, he's long passing. He couldn't lace Perlo's boots long passing-wise. I mean, he's not got that in him really. I mean, he tries it often, but... I think I've seen the stat where he was one of the worst players in the Champions League last year for long passes, um, his accuracy. Uh, not that kind of player. So he's, he's going to be alongside Bruno. With You can imagine it's going to be them two and Joel Linton or Willock. And on paper, he's looking at the profile of the player. I think he fits right into any else system, to be fair. Um, I think when I initially looked at it, I thought £70 million. He's, so £70 million, Euros, sorry, whatever that is, um, translated. He makes the most expensive Italian ever. It looks a bit like an overpay just when you first see it. Um, but at 23, he's, he's won the Scudetto. He's captain the under-21 side. And just like you say, he's a hard worker and he gets stuck in. He kind of modelled his game on Gattuso. I know he asked for the number eight um, when he went to Milan because he loved Gattuso so much. I just think the way Eddie Howe plays that midfield, the high press, getting stuck in, especially at home, I think he will just slot right in and despite my um, my reservations about the signing Newcastle since Eddie Howe's come in I've got it spot on every single signing has just been absolutely it just there's no complaints from it really um, Anthony Gordon maybe but like I say he's had half a season so give that time I just think it's going to be enough one that works and it's a lot of the budget because I believe I was reading that due to financial fair play for Newcastle they actually can't go mad this summer I've I don't know what the number is, but I think it's like just over 100 million. So to use all your bank pretty much on Tonali, I mean, they've obviously identified the player they want and put him in there. Um, but yeah, on paper, a good midfield. I think the fans will love him. The Newcastle fans will love anyone. I think they'll come in at the minute. They're at the looking life, aren't they? And especially a player that's going to come in, do a big tackle, get stuck in, be pressing high. He has got that ball in him, of course, as well. So yeah, I think that'll be a really good midfield. I, I wonder where it ranks in the terms of midfields in the Premier League because there's some really good ones now. Obviously, United had in Mount last week. We spoke about that. Um, Liverpool have got some new options as well. City is always great. Arsenal's is now good when they get Rice in. So they've got to invest as well to keep that top four spot because it's going to get tougher next season for them. Um, you, you'd think teams are going to improve. But yeah, nice signing. Um, I just thought, Stan, that maybe it's a bit of a a uh, sign of modern football. Modern football. Um, I know that this could be a bit 
well, I sh- maybe shouldn't be the one saying this as a City fan who's <laughs> been probably the biggest contributors to the modern football kind of stuff. But I'll say anyway, as a, as a objectively Milan fan, it's his dream move to go there. Still only twenty three, and um, a team owned by a state has kind of come in, give him AC uh, an offer he can't refuse, and you've had to sell him. Really, I've, there was reports that he was in tears when he got mm-hmm. told he was leaving. Um, and like Cook said, I'm sure he will love it at Newcastle regardless. But yeah, I just thought maybe a bit of a, a modern football transfer, would you say? And yeah, sign yeah. of things to come. Yeah, I think obviously it doesn't fit the uh, traditional uh, football food chain, so to speak, leaving uh, AC Milan and going to Newcastle. But this isn't a, a, a vintage AC Milan and it's not a, a vintage uh, Newcastle either. I mean, I know that they pretend that they were really good in the 90s, but uh, they finished second twice, uh, so fair play. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a signing. I, I, I don't know. It just... Based off the fee and like you say that the track record, you'd, you'd you'd have to edge towards that. You think it will fit, like like I said, like you say. And to be fair, looking at Newcastle team, you look at that back five settled. The striker options in Isak and Wilson settled. The weakest is probably maybe that third midfielder in there with Bruno, uh, Willock, uh, Joe Linton, Longstaff. You probably want Bruno with somebody else, and then you choose one of the other three. And a winger, and I think if you're adding Tenali and the very close, I understand to Harvey Barnes. I think that again, the really smart signings from Newcastle. I don't know where the Rubinho or the the Kesmans are, but uh, we could do with them picking them up. Um, but yeah, you'd assume, like you say, the hit rate is really good. It doesn't fit the traditional hit rate, but. He, you don't know how it's going to go. He could absolutely love it there. He might have a Parmo and uh, listen to uh, Fog on the Tyne and love it. Or he could do a Di Maria and this time next year he's going to PSG for half of his transfer fee because he never wanted to go there in the first place. So we'll find out. But uh, yeah, Newcastle, again, just a smart signing. You Another big name in that midfield. Another that, That's where they spent the money. And you know we've, we're not mentioning him here, but Harvey Barnes as a winger, wing option, they're the two areas that they needed to improve on, and it looks like they are. So a, another team that's going to want to stay in the Champions League places next season, and a team that probably you know will be right up there as well. So yeah, I don't know about you, Cook. I, I want to see the uh, the the Matej Kesman or the Giovanni from Hull or something like that. I'm waiting for the uh, stupid signing here. Uh, drop drop thirty million on somebody that doesn't work. Yeah, maybe it is Gordon. Maybe it's maybe they can get Adrian Musu, someone like that. Well, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, but they will because obviously they they don't all work out, and Chelsea have been testament to that, given how many people they've signed and now sold. But yeah, they don't all stick. But it's as soon as you do have to beef up your squad a bit, this is when you do start making mistakes. But yeah, they'll learn. They'll learn. But yeah, it's trial and error at this point. Yeah, I, think, I think it's just a good yeah. move though in fact that they're, good, they're still trying to improve the team which sounds obvious but a lot of the teams when you when you look historically when teams have had really good seasons they tend to just sit on the laurels um, so City didn't um, win a back-to-back trophy like retain the title for for what since they won it like five, six, seven years since Guardiola came in pretty much because look at the transfer windows they had after winning the first two titles I mean I think the first one we brought in just because you, you thought this is a winning team I like, don't upset it and Newcastle are, are not doing that and they've been very smart like you said they've not had the the stupid signings that City and Chelsea have done when they first got taken over and Arsenal are doing the same as well when you look at them and you look at 
how close they were last year, even though they were so good, they're not kind of just sitting on it. They're going, well, let's keep going, let's keep investing, which is what you need to do. So, yeah, you, you imagine that it's going to be a successful transfer just based on what Newcastle have done since the Saudis have come in. Um, I, I, I just thought of a player moving from Newcastle to Milan. You can, see, I wouldn't be fucking happy to be fair. Would would I? You know what I mean? Fucking living in eight, Milan, literally one of the nicest cities in Europe. <laughs> going to Newcastle, it's fucking nice. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I hope he, uh, I hope he likes Sam Fender and uh, gravy and chips and stuff. So yeah, fair play to him. I'm sure he'll get in in the right in the culture up there, Mister Tenali. So he'll go from Fashion Week to a Fender Week or something like that. So welcome back. We're going to talk now about an 18-year-old. Uh, no, not Piper Perry. Uh, we're talking about Arda Gula, uh, the latest Real Madrid signing uh, to add to basically a load of other young players that they've got. Talk us through this one, please, sir. Uh, what's Real Madrid's team looking like and how do they keep replacing all the older players that keep going? God, it's it's incredible and... I know that it can be argued that Man City have got one of the best squads that has ever been assembled, but this one that Madrid are putting together is just, it's Avengers level. And I think they're a striker short off them and Man City being the top clear best teams in the world. And yeah, that's incredibly scary. They've added a guy who Barca, obviously we know about them very much cash stricken at the minute. They try to loan him back to Fenerbahce and basically get the deal done next year to get the funds spread out. He basically said, no, I can play for Real Madrid now. And they said that he is going to play and they've given him assurances. So, yeah, credit to him. From what I've seen, he's incredibly left-footed. He reminds me a lot of Ribery, the way he dribbles, but left-footed version. He, he's very good from set pieces, again, from what I've seen on YouTube. And, yeah, I think that the, the lad, from what I've read by James Horncastle in The Athletic, he's going to go far. And like Jim said, the other day, he's, he's 18 years old, which is absolutely incredible. And Messer Ozil said that he believes that his ceiling is higher than his. And I would liken a lot of his gameplay again, the way he dribbles to Messer Ozil. And I think you'll see that from when you'll see him playing the Champions League for Real Madrid. But stand their squad at the minute, like we were saying again over the weekend, it's 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 borderline ridiculous, isn't it? Like you said, it's all plug-and-play players. And if they're not legs, they're experienced. And if they're not experienced, they're legs. Yeah, I, th I think it's probably, it sounds crazy, but it's probably one of the areas the weaker in, those, those wide areas. I know they've got Vinicius, but they've played Valverde on the right more often than not, who, who's probably more of a central midfielder. So to have a left-footed player who can go on the right and Vinicius on the other side, that balance. And if he can add Jim Mbappe down the middle, is, is anybody going to stop them next season? It's probably only going to be your boys and that'd be a hell of a final on paper if that was to happen, if they do bring Mbappe in. Yeah, I wouldn't like to get that draw if he comes in. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't like to get him draw now, to be fair. Um, yeah, they're almost cheating on football manager. If, he, if you're going to play as football manager next season, you might as well like you might as well just put an ultimate money cheat on it because like you've got Gula eighteen, you've got what Bellingham is what twenty, um, Camavinga's twenty, um, Chouameni, Valverde, both under twenty-five. Yeah. I think Millie Towers about 23 as well, isn't it? Yeah, Vinicius Rodrigo about 22. It's just like you, you, you could basically start an FM save with that, sim it for about 10 years, and you've got yeah, seven, eight yeah. Champions Leagues. You know, yeah, you, you wouldn't have to, to, you wouldn't have to buy anyone. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> 
So yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches when you look at the young talent that they've got and just in this window. I mean, they've done it in the past windows when they added Germany and Kamavinga. Well, I think that was the same window, wasn't it? We we already said yeah. at the time. I mean, that's a joke. The two of them are like mostly hotly wanted young players, and then what this year they get Guler and Bellingham. Um, yeah, it, it looks a good player. I mean, weirdly about you saying about looking like Ribery Cook, I think. Some guy who was, I don't even know where I've seen this thing sitting on Twitter, he was saying it's the most excitement from a player they've had in the Turkish league since Ribery was a young lad, I think Galatasaray. Um, yeah, he's long, so, yeah. Yeah, he's out Yeah, I've been. So that's a, it's a bit of a weird link. And then, yeah, it's always like baked him up. And yeah, I know stats nerds will love the per 90 shit, but I've seen like a graphic where he was top for assists, key passes, dribbles, all these like retaining the ball stuff, like not getting. Pressed like some of the names I'm not even going to read out here because I can't even say I understand them myself. But yeah, I mean, he looks like a great signing. I mean, the question is, will we see him play that much because of the midfield talent I've just gone through? I mean, you can't imagine he's going to start, can you? Um, I mean, they've dead, they've, I mean, we're forgetting they've still got Tony Cruz and Luka Modric, who, um, especially in Luka Modric's case, I mean, he, he doesn't seem to be. Get, like slowing down at all. I believe he's still playing for Croatia as well and he's still committed to playing in the Euro. So you'd imagine he's first name on the team sheet in the middle. Bellingham's going to play because of the fee and because of the talent. I mean, Kamavinga had to get all his minutes in the Champions League at left-back last year um, towards the end of the season. I mean, we see how good he is, but he's a central midfielder by trade. So, yeah, I mean, maybe they loan him out, Cook. I don't know. Maybe we just see him in dribs and drabs throughout the league. We don't, we don't know. Yeah, again, what I was reading before, he made his debut when he was 16. Again, James Horncastle wrote this in the Athletics, so definitely give it a read. He's played in multiple uh, Istanbul derbies, playing at that bit. And I know people say, oh, it's the Turkish League, but again, in that country, and if you are from that country, it's a pressure cooker environment. And if anyone's actually been to Turkey, they bleed football. So you've got to win there. You genuinely do. And I think that the guy, again, from what I've seen on YouTube and from what I've seen just in passing, I think that he, he can be good for this team and they don't really have that left-footed option that can actually play with regularity. I know Rodrigo's played in dribs and drabs, but again, he's suffered from people like Asensio playing above him. But now those players have been cleared out. It almost looks like a, a new Madrid. And we were saying just off mic before that they are just missing that strike. And now I know they've gone and got Hosselu, but he's definitely not going to be the game changer for them. He's not going to be there to promoting Stan. But obviously think that it reads Mbappe is going to end up there for nothing. Whether that kills Nasser Al-Khalifi or not, I don't know. But I think that's the way it ends up. <laughs> yeah, it, um, well, PSG have said he either signs a contract or he leaves this summer. So, I mean, the fact that he probably won't end up ne- there next season, which is, or next summer, should we say, which is scary for a lot of teams in the Champions League because it doesn't look like he's going to sign a contract. Uh, and Al-Khalifi's come out saying he, he, he thinks that he's sorted out personal terms with Real Madrid behind the scenes. And then it would all, obviously all that takes then is a transfer fee being agreed. So if Mbappe gets added to this Real Madrid team, um, it's, yeah, it's, trouble for everybody else I mean just the, the 11 alone I mean we're forgetting about David Alibar and, and Thibaut Courtois of Rudiger and I mean it's the the names just go on and on and on so um, yeah it, it's a joke really but uh, the first time I saw him I saw a, a Welsh fan on, on Twitter um, basically saying who who the fuck is this Gula and how's he 18 and I went on I think he'd got a goal and an assist for Turkey against Wales in, in, in the recent he didn't he 
Yeah, was it a goal and an assist or he scored a goal or whatever, but he just was saying, how the fuck is this lad 18? And going all the way back to the start with you saying Ozil thinks he's got a higher ceiling than him. If he goes to Madrid and does anything close to what Ozil did at Real Madrid uh, in that few years, then he will be worth every single penny because that's back when I used to watch Madrid pretty much every single game and Ozil was another level, probably the best playmaker in the world at the time. I mean, it helped that he had... Prime Ronaldo, Di Maria, Prime Benzema, Higuain, and all these. But yeah, him just pulling the strings behind them. I mean, if 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 Cristiano Ronaldo is happy with the service, you've got to be one hell of a player. So if Gula's anywhere near that, then uh, he'll be worth every penny and a great addition to the Real Madrid Galacticos that they're trying to build again. Welcome back, listeners. It is time for everyone's favourite part of the pod. It's the time where you get interactive and you take the hot seat. It is, of course, who am I? So, player number one. I was born on the 14th of February, 1985, making me 38, and I am retired. Oh, Julian Lescott. It's not Julian Lescott. Should have been. Philip Lamb. Not Philip Lam. Oh. Clue number two. I've played in England, Italy, Switzerland, Spain, Scotland, and in America in MLS. We say them again. Yeah. I've played in England, Italy, Switzerland, Spain, Scotland, and America in MLS. Okay now. Switzerland. He's cultured. It's a bit of a random one, that. He's cultured. Oh, I know. Oh, no, I don't, actually. He's not 38. Joe, I was thinking. Can pass. No, I'm going to say this just because I think he ticks quite a lot of those boxes. Zerd and Shakiri. I think he's played in quite a lot of Shakiri. But he's not 38. But I'm going to keep that in my mind. That's the area I'm I'm thinking. He's also not played in Scotland off the top of my head. Oh, no, he hasn't, actually. I'm going to go Johan Joru. Or Spain for that, Matt. It's not Johan Joru, but I do like where your head's at. Stuck in the middle, Joru, one of the greatest champs ever. Well, this clue, this clue might help you out next. Clue number three. I was at Arsenal from 2003 to 2010. Johan Joru. In 2005 and was a UEFA Champions League final runner-up to Barcelona. Um... Arsenal for seven years, 2003 to 2010. FA Cup winner in 2005 against Manchester United. Philippe Senderos. It is Philippe Senderos. Ah, It was Switzerland. Clue number four was I've played for four English clubs in the Premier League, Arsenal, Everton, Aston Villa and Fulham. And then clue number five was in February of this year, I left my role as sporting director of Swiss Super League side, Cedavet. Yeah, you were Jim. Johan Giroud was a great guess because that's very, was very close. Bit of poster. Yeah, you're on an ass, a Swiss Arsenal centre half. So yeah, you weren't far. You weren't far off, mate. But yeah, compl- a bit of a random one there. But um, from when Philippe I was Sender, the- yeah. I had a stormer in that FA Cup final against you by all accounts and finished third in the Player of the Year for Arsenal that year. Mental. Wow. All I remember with that FA Cup final is we definitely should have won and then we lost on penalties. So. Well, yeah, I remember. 
Black kit, yeah. Scholes, he missed his penalty, I remember. I think Vieira scored the winning one. He did, with his uh, load of Vic on his chest in the middle. Yeah, classic Prem again. I used to do that when I played Sunday League, even though I didn't have a bad chest, just to be like Vieira. <laughs> <laughs> you do look like him. You look like him, yeah, I was going to say that. that was you the only thing differentiating the two years. And then, he came, and then he came to City, so you know, even with him. Oh, wow. It's fate. Absolute fate. Okay. <laughs> Player number two. So well done, Stan, for getting Philippe Senderos. Thank you. That's three points for you. Wow, thank you. Clue number three, you got it on. Okay. Don't spend all at once. Exactly. Don't spend all your VC. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, player number two. I was born on the 20th of September, 1971, making me 51. And surprisingly, I am retired. You're joking. <laughs> oh, shit. It's not that uh... Japanese guy who's still going. <laughs> That is old, 50. He was 50. 51. 51, so I, am, I do apologise. Even older. <laughs> Baggio. <laughs> it's not Baggio. Japanese about 51, Baggio. I don't know. I was just going for somebody that was probably in the prime in the 90s, so like 20s in the 90s. You was in the 20s in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. I'm going to be boring. Oh, nice. I like it. <laughs> you don't mind a little pass. Clue number two. I'm one of a select group to have played both with Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Wow. Not internationally. Not internationally. Yep. Okay. So at club level. He's played with the great two at club level. And he's 51. He's 51, Stan. I don't know if this is right. Figo. It's not Figo. That's a good guess, though. It is a good guess. So it's it's going to be somebody... can't even think of anyone. Um, no, pass. I can't think of anyone. Not even got a guess. Okay. Listeners at home, if you are screaming at Stan and Jim, let it be known. But no, we moving can't on. hear you. Yeah, we can't hear you. We're <laughs> fucking ass for that matter. <laughs> you sound like an ends list. <laughs> oh. Clue number three. I've won leagues in England, Scotland, Spain, and I've won the Champions League with Barcelona. Right, okay. Henrik Larson. It is Henrik Larson, Jim. Oh. Boom. Clue number oh. four was indeed I am a Celtic legend scoring an impressive 242 goals in 313 games. Yeah, that's what you Was I finished third in the FIFA World Cup 1994 with Sweden in the United States? Literally mentioned him yesterday as well. Oh, so yeah, the two clues, uh, sorry, the three clues before it, it was he's 51. He's played with Messi and Ronaldo, Ronaldo at Manchester United, and Lionel Messi at Barcelona. So, yeah, ah, what a player, Stan. Let's tell the listeners a bit about Henrik Larson because my dad he was great. Him. My dad loved. We had him. a great, we had a great little fling we did in about 2007, uh, January to March. <laughs> I think whilst the Swedish season was finished, and it, yeah, it was unreal. I think Fergie tried to sign him for the rest of the season, but he'd agreed with is it Helsingborg? I think he was at that he would go back in March for preseason, and he he went back, but. I think a lot of a lot of his experience was passed on to quite a young United side at the time in Rooney with Ad Rooney, Ronaldo and, and the like in it. So uh, we won the Champions League the next season. So it's all down to Henrik. Thank you, bald Swedish man. 
Yeah, I th- I think Jim criminally underrated footballer and a oh, guy so could have left Celtic and definitely left a lot earlier because it just showed he, he won a Champions League with Barcelona and he won league titles with United, obviously Celtic and Barca. Yeah, made a huge impression on Celtic fans, especially didn't he? Oh yeah, like I said, all, my dad loves him, all my cousins love him, and I'm, yeah, Larson, what a player! They I'm say not- never fall in love with a lone player. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, looking back, the fact that he was in Sweden and he came to United, <laughs> who were challenging for a title and got to a Champions League semi-final and started pretty much every game for two months, and he was playing in Sweden. I don't know why he decided to call it a day when he did, because he clearly could have played for longer. But yeah, Fergie wanted him till the end of the season, I know that, and wanted him to keep him till May for an extra couple of months. But he'd given his word to, I think, his, his childhood club in Helsingborg, and he went back, so... Respect, kept his word, but yeah, I loved him. Like two months, it was a great little fling. Uh, had a lot of hot and heavy sex, uh, and uh, yeah, it was lovely. Allegedly, oh, that's that's some other girlfriend that you made up in it when you go back to school yeah. six weeks. Yeah, it was that. Yeah, oh, yeah no, yeah, yeah. kiss this girl. Yeah, just some yeah, girlfriend. Have you, yeah, have you kissed anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was called Emery. You don't know him. Yeah, you don't know him. <laughs> just from holiday. Yeah. And they went. Who do you support? I went United and Sweden. Yeah. Okay, listeners, just as we're winding down, it is the time where we do have to love you and leave you. But I'm going to let you know where you can find us when we're not making pods. So if you've got Instagram, head on over to our profile by using the handle Cookie Podcast Network. If you're not on Insta, get on Twitter. You can find us by using the handle Cookie Pod Net. And if you're on TikTok, you can find us by using the handle The Cookie Podcast. And Jim, me and you have started a pet project, a basketball podcast that is now 10 episodes deep. Plug that for the listeners. Yes, we are more active on the social medias now. The podcast is called Spilling the Free, still in your usual cookie podcast um, areas, wherever you listen to on Apple, Spotify, Google. I mean, if you listen on something else, then I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know. But it'll be there either way. It'll be on your cookie podcast feed. Um, it'll be a different logo. We've now got a logo. Cook made a lovely one, thanks to the uh, advanced technology of AI. Mm. Um, I've actually made some TikTok clips, thanks to AI as well. So we are very 21st century over here on the Cookie Podcast Network. Um, we have got a Twitter account, which is at Spilling the Free. Um, literally made about two days ago so obviously not too much on there but if you give us a follow that'd be great um, tweet us whatever tweet us shit yeah we'll, we'll reply probably um, a TikTok is probably soon to come Instagram soon to come as well like say we're, we're doing a little pet project this summer and um, going to be more active on the socials and we cook so um, if you don't mind we are going to plug that a bit more on this podcast yeah definitely so support us support the cookie pod boys give us a five star review wherever you get your pods and yeah pass the pod as well because gets us up the algorithm so thank you again for joining us it's been episode 186 and that's the way the cookie crumbles yeah, yeah.